You're listening to Review and Preview on Facebook Live. is going on everybody welcome back to another episode of review and preview there we go my name is tom, tom scavetta joined alongside by nick DiMartino. once again nick welcome back to the show thank you thank very you. much for joining thank you very much for having me uh folks before we dive into the meat of tonight's show uh friendly neighborhood reminder if you're new make sure to check us out on all of our social media platforms Twitter, YouTube, at Review and Preview Sports. We appreciate all the support. We're also on uh, Facebook. Make sure to check, give us a like on our Facebook page if you like what you watch. Also, uh, Facebook's new algorithm, leave a like if you can, not because we like likes, but it helps spread the show around uh, into certain groups more. It gets more notice and share with your friends, family. Appreciate all the support. As always, I'll leave this up here for just a moment. But Nick, um, (laughs) how are you doing, buddy? Uh, It it just seems like... uh, Things in the sports world get weirder and weirder by the day. And today was no different as 45-year-old Tom Brady announces his retirement from the NFL once again via an Instagram video. But, Nick, this time in his retirement video, he said, for good. What were your thoughts when you saw this video today? Um, I, I thought he actually meant it this time because – or at least I had more of a reason to believe it because he said for good. So it, it's kind of like he said, I know I did this last year, but this time I mean it. Uh, th- there was obviously a lot of speculation. None of this is really surprising to anybody. I, I would find it a little hard to believe, although I wouldn't put it past him, that he would then come back again after saying this time I mean it for good. Um, I, I mean, like, I don't think if he really didn't want to retire this time around, I think he probably would have just not retired. And at this point, he was probably like, I'm just done because he's just not that good anymore. And he'd rather go out on a little bit more of a high note than be really bad. Well, this year he was eliminated. Him and his Buccaneers were eliminated in the wild card round by the Dallas Cowboys. So as of now and potentially for good, this could be Brady's last game as an NFL player. Um, You know, it's definitely – a lot, a lot of people are happy that he's gone, but a lot of people are also sad. And I think for you and Nick, uh, for me and you, Nick, being around the same age, um, you know, I know you're a Jets fan as much as you like Tom Brady. It is sad because it's a, a generation of quarterbacks are now all gone. You know, like that generation of quarterbacks we grew up with is no more. So, I mean, today really is a monumental. Well, Aaron Rodgers is still around. He's the only one. He's the only one. And even then, him and Matt Ryan technically started playing the same year. Because remember, Rodgers sat behind Favre for three years. 
So realistically, the longest tenured starting quarterbacks at this point are from 2008. Yeah. So we were we were already teenagers by that point, or or close to it. I wasn't. Or close to it. You know, <laughs> age range. All right, Nick, trying to give away my age there. I see it. <laughs> But uh, we'll go over Brady's career in just a second. Want to pin a couple comments to interact with the viewers. And Nick, I see a couple big fans of ours already chiming in. Garth saying, woo. Also says, the two goats live here. Ladies and gents, that's right. Um, might be seeing a, a little bit more of Nick DiMartino on Reefing Preview moving forward. Um, Noah says, interested to hear Nick's quote-unquote thoughts on this. A goat discussing another goat. Uh, never say never, but I think this one seems a lot more convincing. Last time it kind of felt like most people knew he would at least consider coming back. Doesn't feel the same this time. And Nick, I do agree with this comment because obviously last year you had the divorce that was going on for him between him and Giselle. Um, and then, of course, Schefter leaking the news, I believe it was Schefter before it came out and you know, that could have potentially motivated him to come back to get his mind off of the personal life and that aspect of things. But I do agree this time it seems real. He made this decision on his own. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would find it, a, like I said, I would find it a little hard to believe that he would do the same thing the second year in a row right after the season ended. Um, if he really wanted to come back, you'd think he would learn um, and just not make an announcement like that. Um, yeah, that's, that's obviously true. And the thing is, I don't know how, I don't know how the rest of the offseason is going to be and how that, but it is worth noting that last year, the entire sports media thought he was coming back. I mean, don't forget before, after he retired and before he announced he came, he was coming back. There was a lot of speculation that the Niners were going to get him and nobody said, wait, Brady's retired. I feel like people didn't actually believe Brady legitimately retired last year. Um, especially like when you looked at the statement, he, he kind of, suggested that he might come back like it just wasn't very it just wasn't very convincing last year that he actually wanted to retire and I mean I think this time it's pro he's probably just not going to come back it just seems most likely that that's the case um especially because he can be a broadcaster now and which is a hell of a lot easier than you know actually playing in the NFL and he's got a 10-year contract waiting for him at uh, Fox yeah. Sports. So um, Noah agrees with you. He says it was like we were just waiting for him to announce he was coming back last time. Yeah, that only lasted 40 days. And what's crazy about today yeah, it's is like he gave up football. He announced months. it this morning. <laughs> yeah, essentially. Basically. Um, it's crazy. A year ago to this date was when he announced his retirement last year. It was February 1st, 2022. He announced his first retirement. Unretires 40 days later. 365 days later, February 1st, 2023, announces his retirement for the second and likely the final time. 23-year um, career um, that spanned across predominantly the New England Patriots um, and three decades, really. Um, he was 45 he always mentioned he wanted to play till he was 45 so it was weird last year when he was 44 and he left I had a feeling something was up that he wanted to go at least one more year um seven Super Bowl six with the Patriots he's a five-time Super Bowl MVP ended his NFL career as the 
leading passer in yards with over 89,649 touchdowns, three-time league MVP. I mean, his accolades speak for himself. You know, the players he put on the map, Julian Edelman, Dion Branch, Jabbar Gaffney, Wes Welker, Nick, those receivers that were unknowns. It seems like once they joined forces with Tom Brady, he made people around him better. And I think his ability to develop chemistry with his teammates, take the necessary pay cuts to help, you know, championship teams win or what a leader doesn't as much as, you know, you or I may not like the guy for winning so much. He was excellent at what he did and he was undoubtedly the best NFL player of all time. Well, I mean, me and you have opposite relationships with Brady. I mean, me and you kind of hate him for the opposite reasons. In fact, you don't really have any reason to hate Brady. I mean, I don't. the Giants and Patriots aren't divisional rivals or anything like that. You just played him in the Super Bowl and beat him twice. So there's really no reason for you to even hate him. <laughs> like Jet fans all obviously hate I Brady. I don't, no. Yeah, there's legit no reason. So Which is let's fair. Not, yeah, let's not pretend that me and you have the same relationship with Brady because it's they're basically we, polar we, opposites. We don't. Yeah, you dislike Brady, yeah, like, <laughs> but very very different. Are, but we both respect his greatness. At the end, of, of course. The day. Like I'm not going to pretend Brady isn't like the greatest of all time. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to pretend I wouldn't rather have Brady than any other quarterback in history. Right. Um, for numerous different reasons, one of them obviously would be the longevity aspect of it. I mean, mm-hmm. how many like. This year, he obviously wasn't good, but at how many quarterbacks at 44 could have even now, even in modern terms, could ever have been at the top of the game? I mean, nobody. Peyton Manning was, I think, how I could be wrong. He was like 40 his last year around that age or yep. 39 or 40. And he was horrible, like w- worse than he was worse than Brady was this year. And it, like Brady's so much older now than Peyton Manning was then. Uh, but it seemed like he was so much younger. So, and, and even by in Peyton Manning, by quarterback standards, was very old then. So, just longevity alone, um, and also obviously his ability to win and his uh, and his amazing ability to make wide receivers who otherwise weren't well known to become like stars. And I, I really do think Brady helped Belichick too, but Brady helped make them stars. I mean, ju- just those things alone. I think would make Brady the greatest of all time. And just the fact that I don't like him doesn't change that. I mean, those two things have nothing to do with each other. Mike DeSanto. What's up, Mike? Uh, Co-host of our wrestling show Four corners Monday nights at seven. You can check that out here on the review preview sports network. He says, Eli threatened to come out of retirement if Brady didn't Um, (laughs) (laughs) Mike with the humor. Yeah. Um, Look, Eli is Brady's dad. Uh, in, in football terms, you know, those two Super Bowls, Nick mentioned how I have no reason to hate Brady. In fact, I'll openly admit I rooted for Brady in every Super Bowl that he did not play against the Giants. And after we beat them twice, because I don't want anybody else to have that claim to fame that, oh, we beat Tom Brady in a Super Bowl, too. Unfortunately, Philadelphia has that. But Philly also lost to Brady in a Super Bowl that we did not ever do not to make this about the giants, Nick, but you know, the conversation was probably going to stem in this direction just a little bit for a few brief moments, but back to Brady. Um, This season was a struggle for him. We saw the mental stuff that was going on. We knew something wasn't right in the first half of the season. I think luckily for him and the bucks, the division was a shit show. Um, You know, 
We saw a head coach get fired within the first few weeks of the season. We saw a quarterback change in Atlanta. Uh, the New Orleans Saints were a mess. So Brady, again, he's not his best year statistically, still managed to, to finish top three in the NFL in passing with over 4,600 yards. In fact, almost 4,700 yards, um, third in the league, and then 25 touchdown passes. So a lot happened for him. Uh, as far as this season went, uh, I think maybe you saw a slight decline in some aspects, but I mean, father of time is undefeated. Let's be real at 45 years old. I mean, the fact that he was still able to do that is incredible. You know, Um, it sucks his 13 year marriage ended and, you know, I I wish him the best moving forward with that. You know, I hope he can get his personal life back on track. Um, Yeah, man, 10 years, 375 million as a Fox sports analyst, that would be an incredible feat for him. Um, just continues to get paid to do what he loves. You know, yeah. you can't argue with that. It's a great life. Yeah. I mean, you're right. Father time is undefeated, but Tom Brady came the closest to defeating father time is uh, I, I would say is the best way to put it. And and that's not even that's, just true of football. Uh, I mean, if you for think a while, it, Nick, if you think about it, that's just true of sports in general. How many other mm-hmm. Athletes have ever been able to do what Brady's been doing for at, at this level until they were 45. Right. I can't recall many. Julio Franco for the Mets. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <one. laughs> the only one. But Julio Franco was barely in the lineup. <laughs> uh, kickers. Uh, you know, Vinatieri, Morton yeah. Anderson. Those are like the rare exceptions. I think the way he conditioned himself to Brady was very underrated. And, you know, I think, and the, the last point on Brady here, Nick, um, unless you had anything else, he emulates the true underdog, right? He was drafted in the sixth round, 199th overall in the 2000 NFL draft. They said his accuracy was poor. His arm strength wasn't great. Um, he was likely to be a career-long backup. He defied the odds. Drew Bledsoe got hurt. Um And he proved all those scouts wrong. I, I, I think the underdog story, I think, is really what attracted me because obviously he became a favorite very quickly. And I think that's what got a lot of people to root against him. In fact, being from New England as well didn't help. I think when he moved to Tampa Bay, his last three years, I think more people were able to like him now that he played for a different team. But um, I think, Nick, the underdog story in sports is very um, – underestimated especially with a player like Tom Brady because people seem to forget he was not supposed to be this good um there was maybe a 0.0001% chance Brady would last past you know 5 to 7 years in the NFL as a you know consistent player and the fact that he did is remarkable and I think that's part of the reason why too he's the greatest of all time yeah i mean i i don't think I mean, it's a great story. I don't think that has any, whether Brady was a favorite or an, whether he was a first round pick or a six round pick, I don't think it would have mattered in terms of how, I don't think that has anything to do with how amazing of a player he was, but I do think it does tell you how little the experts actually know in the NFL draft about these players. If Brady, who was a pretty random player at the time, (laughs) <laughs> and it's not even like the Patriots were geniuses and it's like nobody knew anything and he just mm-hmm. happened to be that great. Um, it, I mean, I mean, I think that's one of the most telling things about, uh, about what, what happened with Brady. And also you also have to remember 
I think that being a great quarterback in college doesn't always correlate to being great in the NFL. I mean, obviously, sometimes it does. You have amazing players, but I mean, who are players who are amazing in college and also amazing in the NFL, but it doesn't always correlate that much. And nobody really could know that much about anything. It's just, I mean, I'm sure though that there was one or two Michigan fans out there who was like, Tom Brady's going to be amazing. And how could you only take him in the sixth round? Because I know that there were some Michigan fans like that at the time who were like, I've been telling you, Brady's going to be amazing. Absolutely. And when Brady was drafted, you were what? You were th- toddler, right? I was I, I was five when he was drafted. Now I'm I was 27. Like so three, I think. Yeah, I must have been three years old. Yeah. And actually, I wasn't even five yet because it was April of three, 2000. Yeah. I was still Something four. Like yeah. Incredible um, growing up with this guy. So Last, I basically have no recollection of football without Brady. Yeah, pretty much. And I, I think that's how I wanted to wrap up this segment. Uh, you know, Rivers, Roethlisberger, and Eli, part of that 04 class, all gone, retired before Tom Brady. Drew Brees, 2001 draft class, retired before Tom Brady. Peyton Manning, 1998, was the first to go in 2015, obviously, because he was the elder of those five or six, I should say. But the two Mannings, Brees, Big Ben, Rivers, Brady, Nick, the entire generation is gone. Now we're looking at these. Yeah, it, I'll give you that. You know what? I'll be nice. I'll give you that. Um, Rogers, Ryan is on his last leg. I don't even know if he starts next year. Um, I know Flacco's still around, but he's a backup now for you guys. And then you have Stafford, who's coming off that injury. So, I mean, other than that, we can't really say much anymore. Yeah. It is sad to a degree. And it shows our age a little bit, you know? Well, I mean, um, you think uh, how we feel like, you know, older generations felt that way many times over. Absolutely. <laughs> but – Clear first ballot Hall of Famer in five years. Congratulations on your retirement, Tom Brady. Um, and we wish Tom nothing but the best. So uh, moving on to the two relevant football games that happened this past weekend, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles bounced the San Francisco Hospital 49ers 31-7 to <laughs> in the NFC Championship game. And, Nick, I'm going to say this. I was very disappointed. Uh, I despise the Eagles more because I thought it was going to be a very good game. I really did. And well, you also you know, expected even about the Eagles reaching the Super Bowl. Go ahead. You know, I was saying you, you also expected there to be an actual quarterback for the Niners. Correct. <laughs> like, yeah. it, it's kind of like, you know what it reminded me of? It reminds me of when in baseball, when they put in position players to pitch. Like, like that one time the Yankees put in Nick Swisher to pitch, but it's mm-hmm. only for like an inning. This is like most of the game when they put in McCaffrey. Like imagine if imagine if like the the Knicks, the, the uh, Yankees put in Nick Swisher to pitch for like seven innings as like a starter. That's essentially what we saw with mm-hmm. the Niners. Yeah, it was. I mean, we saw Josh Johnson come in the game because Purdy, you know, the UCL injury that, that that was bad, and then Johnson with the head injury left. So you're down to a fourth straight QB at this point, and then McCaffrey's there. Usechek is there. But Nick, do you realistically think the 49ers would have kept it close with Brock Purdy at quarterback? Because with the way the game was trending, I really don't think so. I think they could have. I mean, there was at least a chance. 
um, that that was at least something. I mean, mm-hmm. I think there's a good. I mean, like I said, I picked the Eagles to cover the three, the two and a half points, and I think that all. I, I think the Eagles would have at least covered, but there's still. I mean, yeah. I mean, how many Brock Purdy hasn't lost a game? So to even say that, like, they wouldn't have been able to keep it close. Yeah, I think the game could have at least been competitive. Um, And obviously there were things like the Eagles offense was amazing regardless of uh, like against the Niners defense regard that you can argue had nothing to do with the quarterback. But I mean, not having a functional offense is still going to still affects the defense by pretty greatly. I mean, the fact that they couldn't even control the fact that they couldn't even control possession the Niners for most of that game obviously affects the defense a lot so I I do think they could have at least kept it 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 would have been at least been a good game I think um I mean right now the Eagles look like uh, they're on another level than all the other teams in the NFC but yeah I think that it would have at least been something um it had Purdy at least been able to play I mean by the point by the time like Josh Johnson went down I knew the game was over effectively it was over at, at least at that point yeah. But you can't win without a quarterback. And, and by the way, I think this is also going to make teams carry third-string quarterbacks in playoff games at least because at some point this is bound to happen. Quarterbacks get injured all the time. So you would think they would have, that more teams would carry third-string quarterbacks from now on. You would think so. And I, I think it's important to note, too, that you know Purdy did re-enter this football game, so I'm going to give that man a lot of credit for just going back into the game. I know he really didn't do much. But he couldn't. Um, no, he, he couldn't he throw really past the line of scrimmage. No, it, it, it was a really bad. I don't know if he's getting Tommy John or something like that. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, like he's that, a pitcher. But, um, I, I just heard UCL injury. Uh, yeah. So like that's that's Which not I'm good. very unfamiliar with. No. I only know what the UCL is because you can injure it. Right. <laughs> that's same thing with me. But in this game, you know, Purdy. He only threw the ball four times. Uh, him, Josh Johnson, and Debo Samuel all lost fumbles in this game. Christian McCaffrey was basically the only source of offense. He scored their only touchdown. Um, the 49ers also were plagued with 11 penalties. And, you know, people are like, oh, Jalen Hurts only threw for 100. Hurts didn't have to do much. Right. The Eagles running game was so dominant. I mean, Hurts had a rushing touchdown. But when you look at the Eagles – Miles Sanders, 11 rushes for 42 yards and two touchdowns. That's creeping around four yards a clip against D'Amico Rines' defense, who, by the way, is now a head coach for Houston. Um, so that is impressive. And then Kenneth Kingwell, 48 yards. Perfect Not bad for a backup running back. You know, we've seen worse stat lines than that. And then Boston Scott. What's that? Perfect. I said perfect name for a running back. Kenneth Gainwell. Well, he might be the starter next year. Sanders is a UFA after the year. Yeah, we'll see, I guess. Yeah, I mean, the Eagles. But it goes to show you how good their offense is when the Niners were supposedly the best, were supposed to be the best defense in the NFL last year. Mm -hmm. This year, I should say. And And it turned out to be the Eagles. You just look at all that and it's like, well, their offense, it it had to be something. Like, even though they didn't have a quarterback, it was still something. It was still not, I don't think most teams could have done that. Um, and, and part of the and people often were often talking about how the Eagles had an easy path, and that's tr- I guess you could say that's true. But they also kind of earned it, like they were the they ones did. and they had a buy, so they kind of gave themselves an easy path. And I mean, they did beat the Giants, who were not that tough of a team by 
playoff standards, but we I mean, they also killed them. And the Giants also beat the Vikings. So no, it, it wasn't that. That. Mm-hmm. I think they deserve some credit, especially when they created it for themselves. Right. I do think beating a team three times, though, in a season is an accomplishment, regardless of what level we're on, because I feel like the Giants were a year ahead this year, to say to say the least. Um, so the fact that the Eagles really blew the doors off the Giants after, uh, you know, playing it close to the third stringers a, a couple of weeks ago in the last week, it speaks volumes to who the Eagles are as a football team. You know, and I get it. Hurts wasn't 100 percent. Lane Johnson wasn't 100 percent, but they had the buy in the first week to get healthy. They earned that buy, uh, whether you like it or not. And I don't like admitting this at all. The Philadelphia Eagles are a phenomenal football team. They're the most talented roster in the NFL right now. They are really good at pretty much every single position. Their backups could start. Their backup defensive line, Nick, is incredible. Yeah. And and by the way, when you look at their um, – I, I checked it. When you look at their um, – w- w- I'm sorry. When you look at uh, – when you talk about like an underdog story like Brady, mm-hmm. um, I can't think of a better underdog story than Jalen Hurts. Because like from his time at Alabama, people were uh, – people like the, the – the con- it was um, conventional wisdom that he just wasn't very good and that he wouldn't do anything in the NFL. Uh, and then just the fact that he you know saved Alabama – uh, in the SEC championship game after getting benched and then ended up transferring to Oklahoma. And now he's playing in the Super Bowl. I mean, I can't think of a better underdog story than uh, Jalen Hurts. This year, sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I would just in general, his whole his whole career was the underdog story. Like like when Jalen Hurts, when he was a when he was a starting quarterback for Alabama in 2016, nobody could have ever pictured him playing in the Super Bowl. Like if, if somebody told you that, you'd be like, oh, you're crazy. That's never going to happen. Oh, do you know who benched Jalen Hurts at Alabama? Do I know who benched Jalen Hurts at Alabama? Who who was predominantly responsible for benching Jalen Hurts at Alabama? Well, you mean like the coach or the player? The coach. Saban? No. Well, of course he was part of it, but who – really pulled the plug on Jalen Hurts. I'll give you one more guess. You're going to laugh when you hear this. I, I genuinely have no idea. It was Brian Dable. Really? Dable was the OC for Bama in 2017. And oh, that's right. Jalen Hurts for Tua. They still won the national title. I think at the time it was the right move because Hurts really wasn't as seasoned as Tua was. And it, it turned out to be the correct move, but you know, at the end of the day, Hurts transferred to Oklahoma. He, you know, college football play. Hey, he really made his living there. Yeah, and and even though like, another dog, he's done that in the NFL, I'll admit I doubted him for a while. Yeah, and also it's like even though the Eagles are a very hateable team, and I think at least like more people than not are probably going to root against the Eagles and. And yeah, obviously they have an obnoxious, they're, they're notorious for having an obnoxious fan base. I find Jalen Hurts kind of hard to root against. Yeah, you know, you're kind of right. That That's a fair assessment. I, I don't really hate Jalen Hurts. I, I mean, I don't hate anybody. I'm that type of person. But yeah, you know, oh, I, again, he didn't do anything super special in this game. Um, I'm 
uh, I'm not going to say he's elite. He's very good. Right? I'm not going to say like he's one of the elite. top five QBs in, in the NFL. No. Well, uh, outside of Patrick Mahomes right now, and I, I guess a younger Aaron Rodgers, who really, really you know, who's on that elite level, all these young quarterbacks like Burrow, Allen, Herbert, like uh, they're unproven. They've never won a championship. So we can't really call those guys elite either, in my opinion. I think outside of okay, Patrick Mahomes. Nobody's and, elite. Other than Fair, home, but I mean, logic. those guys that are closest to that level would be considered flirting with that elite category, and I don't think Hertz is there yet. No, no, I don't think any. I don't think really anybody would describe Jalen Hurts as elite. No, I think he's very good though. He's definitely a top ten quarterback. Um, right, like, like in this you league. can't make it. To, he's also just in a. He's also in a very good situation. He has more yes. talent around his Ross uh, around him than any other quarterback right now. Which. I, I think a lot of people are crediting this year, you know, Lane Johnson and Jordan Mailata bookend tackles. I mean, hell, the Eagles had eight pro bowlers, six on their offense for a good reason. Sanders runs the rock very well. You know, how he really tracked his team well. You have Jason Kelsey at center. Um, the Eagles controlled the ball for 37 minutes in this game. And that's tough to do against a 49ers team that loves to pound the rock. Um, Hassan Reddick, another underrated player, free agent they signed, short-term bargain, had two sacks in this game. Defensive line, their backup D linemen are Jordan Davis and Milton Williams, two young players that they drafted uh, behind Javon Hargrave and Fletcher Cox. You know, their defensive ends, Reddick, Graham, Josh Sweat. They have guys, Robert Quinn. All of these guys are starters on other teams in the NFL, and that's why I think ultimately – the Philadelphia Eagles will win this year's Super Bowl. Um, I'll, I'll I'll have to think about it. Um, the Eagles are favored, which I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah, um, I wouldn't. I didn't check. It, I wouldn't be surprised if the of if um, a lot of people rushed to bet the Chiefs. Um, but I don't know. I haven't really. I haven't made my decision who I'm going to pick yet. Against the spread or otherwise. I mean, because they're going the roof off of everybody that they've played re- recently. Yeah, no, yeah, that's true. I agree with that. But um, I do have one last question for you on the 49ers. Jimmy G is a free agent. We know he's likely going to seek another opportunity. Um, do the 49ers go back to starting Trey Lance next year? Is that the move? Or do you have a competition between him and uh, Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, against number three overall? Well, they would at least have a competition, assuming Purdy's able to. I don't know how long it takes to recover from a UCL injury, but – um, I think if he's healthy, they would at least have a competition um, mm-hmm. because at least what we've seen from Trey Lance has been a lot worse than what we've seen from Brock Purdy, and it worked with Purdy pretty well. So, I, I mean, I, they would at least have a competition uh, b- between the two of them. I, I mean, like, it, you have to do that at least. Um, I don't think they're automatically going to start Trey Lance if it's working with Purdy. So I, I think that part's pretty obvious. Um but they would at least give Trey Lance a chance. Like they're not going to audit. They're not definitely going to go with Purdy. If Trey Lance proves what he can do, it wouldn't surprise me by the way, if they end up starting the season with Trey Lance and then moving to Purdy at some point in the season, especially if there's like an injury involved or something like that. Uh, so, I mean, it, there's a really good chance. Both of them are going to start at some point in the season. In fact, I would 
guess that that's most likely going to happen. Yeah, with the way their quarterbacks just continue to get hurt. But let's move on to the next game, Nick. The Kansas City Chiefs edging the Cincinnati Bengals advanced to their third Super Bowl in the last four years. Um, fifth straight AFC championship game for them, by the way. And I believe they've hosted all of them, uh, which is insane to think about, dating back to the one where they lost to Brady. Um, the, the Thanks to D. Ford. And then, you know, 2019, 2020. Yeah, D. Ford, <laughs> that's a name. That's a name, but um, Nick, I'm going to, um, I know I'm having some lagging issues, so I'm going to connect to my hotspot, but, but before I do that, um, just talk to me. What, Patrick Mahomes, high ankle sprain. He mentioned he did not feel good, but he managed to throw 300 yards and two touchdowns despite losing that one fumble. How do you think he performed overall? Very, very good. I mean, a lot better than I expected him to. I mean, for somebody for a mobile quarterback with a leg injury, it's very difficult to even it's very difficult to to perform that well. Um, And that's basically the reason I picked the Bengals to win, uh, because like I I thought that the leg injury would be too much for Mahomes. So I would say overall, I was very impressed by the way he performed. I mean, it's Mahomes. He's kind of one of he's also reminds me of Rodgers a little bit. He doesn't always run very fast like he can always make space for himself. So in that sense, I guess he kind of can get away with running around injured, but it still is always going to hurt him. I mean, if you're that mobile. Uh, so, I mean, overall, I thought he was great. I mean, a lot better than I expected to say the least. Yeah, no, I do agree. I, I, that's a good point. Um, I, he made some great throws to Travis Kelsey in this game. Granted when, Marquez Valdez-Scantling is going up against Eli Apple. That's not much of a challenge, but... Um, yeah, Eli you know, Apple's I, always in the headlines for the wrong reasons. Exactly. And that's why we dumped him, ultimately. But, um, yeah. no, I think Juju was hurt. Hardman left with some sort of head injury. Kadarius Tony continues to get hurt much every game. And it's starting to look like a smart trade for the Giants now. Um but, yeah, the Chiefs receivers can't catch a break this year. But you got guys like Sky Moore there that he's throwing to and Valdez Scantling with over 100 receiving yards. Kelsey did his stuff. And it was interesting to me, Nick, because the Bengals did a great job of stopping Pacheco. He only had 10 rushes for 26 yards. But the problem was he had 56 receiving yards on five catches – or 59 receiving yards, pardon on five catches, you know, guys like Jermaine Pratt and Logan Wilson, typically sure-handed tacklers were missing tackles. Pratt in particular, if you remember that one screen where Pratt looked like he had him wrapped up towards the line of scrimmage, Pacheco just runs over him. I don't know what happened there, but um, other guys stepped up for the chiefs and they were really good on offense. Uh, Unfortunately, the Bengals, they just, they couldn't get off the field in critical points of the game. Yeah. And by the way, I think that the Bengals, Actually, in fact, actually played a lot worse than we're remembering. You have to remember, they were terrible in the first half. They were lucky to get two field goals. And so I even think, even though the the score was close, the Bengals were even lucky to be in that game, it felt like. And it's it's also the first time that I've seen the Bengals actually lay an egg in a big game. Because it seems like they always beat these good teams, but this is the first time I've ever really seen the Bengals actually lay an egg like this. 
Yeah, no, it's definitely not a good look. Uh, Joe Burrow had two interceptions. I thought Chris Jones was the player of the game for me personally. Uh, two sacks, three tackles for loss, and five quarterback hits. Uh, Washington, Trent McDuffie was really good as well. He had two passes defended. Uh, another rookie for them, George Karloftis, had a sack at a Purdue. So I thought that was interesting. And then Jalen Watson and Josh Williams each had an interception. Have you heard Jalen Watson and Josh Williams before this past week? Because I know for damn sure I haven't. <laughs> Neither have I. <laughs> no, I mean, I'll, be, I'll be honest with you. I don't know who they are, but I do now because they made plays. And you got to credit Steve Spence to contain this high, highly efficient Cincinnati offense was successful. They sacked Joe Burrow five times. Joe Mixon had just 19 rushing yards on eight attempts. I will say this, and this won't get talked about enough. The Bengals were without three starting offensive linemen, but two of them were their two bookend tackles, and Jonah Williams and uh, Lael Collins, and of course they're missing Kappa at right guard. Ultimately, Nick, how do you think that impacted the game? Because it was clear as day Burrow was running for his life a lot. Yeah. I mean, he was sacked, like you said, he was sacked five times. So obviously it affected the game a lot. Um, This year, I know for a fact, because I'm a Jet fan, when the first half of the season, basically, we had a totally makeshift offensive line, it affects the game drastically. I mean, overall, I think offensive lines nowadays, just in general, tend to be a lot weaker because defensive players are getting bigger and faster. That's probably that's the reason why quarterbacks all have to be mobile. So uh, I yeah. mean, quarterbacks, it, it is harder on quarterbacks now just in that sense. But I mean, if you don't have starters, if you're missing three offensive linemen, that's going to affect you greatly. Uh, and just the fact that Burrow got sacked five times shows that. So if they if they were full, there's no way that would have happened if they were fully healthy. So obviously that affects that affects things a lot. Uh, I, I think there's a good chance they could have won. But like I said, other, besides that, like they didn't look good. It, like yeah. I know the score, the final score was 23 to 20, but the Bengals really just didn't look good, especially in the first half. No. I mean, Jamar Chase, six catches, 75 yards, usually does more than that. Um, the Bengals were without Tyler Boyd most of the game. Once he went out, I think it hurt the production of Jamar Chase, which is why we saw T. Higgins get more of a piece of the pie. Uh, you know, I thought the Bengals' defense was okay. They had a couple of sacks, um, but the Bengals had nine penalties, and they lost the turnover battle 2-1, to one, uh, which leads me, Nick, to the Joseph Asai late hit out of bounds on Patrick Mahomes, which – quite frankly, cost them the game. Um, you know, you could argue other moments led to that point where a size penalty wouldn't have mattered as much if the Bengals performed better. But uh, what did you think of that play? And what did you think of the officiating in this game? Because it is getting a lot of heat. But at the same time, you just mentioned that the Bengals didn't play good. They didn't play good enough. Well, to, I mean, to the officiating wasn't necessarily great in this game, but it's not like the refs – people were talking like, – it's not like the refs made the wrong call. I mean, it clearly was a late hit out of bounds. Um, mm-hmm. It makes me think of – I mean, I really do think about this a lot because um, it's like – if you think about it, professional sports is very fast. Football is a very fast-moving game. Everything happens in like a split second. And my honest question is – 
is it possible to expect a human being to process the fact that the quarterback is out of bounds probably less than a second before their brain can even respond to it? I mean, it is a hard – like, even though it's easy to, like, look at the replay in slow-mo and say he's so clearly out of bounds – and I'm not saying it was the wrong call. I'm just saying it might be a little bit hard. It might be a little bit unreasonable to look at to look at somebody in that situation and assume that they also have that that same type of uh, luxury of you know slow mo and seeing that he's out of bounds. It's everything is so fast. It is so hard to even be in that situation and reasonably just back off. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, I feel really bad for him because it's really easy for us to say that sitting on the couch, but yes. he's not. So he's in the game, and you're just not going to know exactly where you are. Spur of the moment, too. Right. It's spur of the moment. How are you even going to know? So it's just – and obviously Mahomes sold that he went – Of course, <laughs> which was smart to uh, – was smart. I, I I'm not saying it wasn't. I'm just saying, like, yeah. obviously that had a lot to do with it, too. And, and I really felt bad for the guy, to be honest. And I rarely ever feel bad yeah, for I professional did. athletes, and I felt really bad for him. Um, but it also goes to show you the fact that, like, the Bengals played so bad, but we're still so close to beating the Chiefs on the road. That that and yet we're so injured. It's like I don't really think this game makes the point about the Bengals that you might think it does. The fact that they were they played such a bad performance, they were so heavily injured, and, and on the road, and they still came that close to beating uh, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, that still I think is pretty incredible. Which is why I think the Eagles are winning a Super Bowl because of what you just mentioned. You know, the Bengals played a real shitty game, but the Chiefs barely skated by them, and their defense is very suspect. Garth says, "Hey guys, I am fired up." Why, Garth? Tell us. Yeah, We'd about love what? to know. Um, I do agree, but nevertheless, the Chiefs advance to the Super Bowl. The Bengals' season is over. Um, you know, and I, I did feel bad for Asai as well when Pratt was just like yelling at him as they're heading back to the locker room. Just because you're a, a UFA doesn't mean you have the right to yell at. at, at I mean, yeah, technically you, you're free, freedom of speech, yes, but <laughs> like it, when the cameras are on you, like it's not something you should say to a teammate. You have to encourage your no, teammates. No. You know, constructive credit. I, I know it's tough because you were so close to the big game, but. Um, you know, you would just hope for a little bit more professionalism there by Jermaine just Pratt. Just being a good teammate and compassion. Right. Um, Garth says, oh, Kellen Moore to the Chargers. We benefit from the Cowboys scapegoat job. Huh. Yeah, I did see that. The Cowboys let him go. Do you think that was an effort to save McCarthy's job? Because I think that that's probably an upgrade to Joe Lombardi for the Chargers. At OC. Yeah, I, I agree with him. Uh, it does mm-hmm. seem like that was it. It, it does seem like it. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. It was a little weird to me that they fired him because it's not like the Cowboys were bad. No. Well, Dak I mean, did they have had a, lot a really good year. But... They're just unlucky. They're in a tough division. But th- you could have. I mean, you could certainly argue that they were the second best team in the NFC for the most part. I mean, and they went four. And he went four and one with Cooper Rush. So it, it wasn't that bad. And I'm not faulting Dak's turnovers on Kellen Moore. Sorry. No. that Not happening. Um, I think a lot of us know that Dak is whack. Um, you know, uh, he, he's a solid quarterback, but he's Dak nothing. Is not whack. Dak is good. He just played a bad game. He played really good the Nick, year before that. So, I mean, but no, when you can't you, blame 
Dax turnovers on Kellen Moore. When you lead the league in interceptions, you are whack. At no. least for this season, he was whack. Not, okay, but like leading the league in interceptions doesn't mean you're bad. Eli no, he's not in interceptions a lot too. He did, but and by the way, you can be a really good by the way, who has the most interceptions in NFL history? It would be like saying it would be like what you just Brett said Farr. would be like saying a baseball player is bad because they strike out a lot. What I'm saying is his interceptions were uh, like a, a lot of like a lot of Eli's interceptions towards the end of his career were tipped balls by receivers who were slow and they poorly constructed their roster. Dak has CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup, Dalton Schultz, Tony Pollard. Like, will, 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 will Dak ever get Dallas a ring? The answer is no. I think he can. But I also don't think that – I think he can, but here's the thing. Even if he doesn't, that doesn't mean he's bad. I mean, is Kirk Cousins going to get the Vikings I'm not saying, ring? I'm not saying he's he's bad. I, I, I said he's solid, but, you know, this year he was a, he, he was a little whack as far as the turnovers go. But, also, you know, Nick, Nick it's, it's a cliche one-liner. Whack does rhyme with that. You know what I'm saying? So Yes, yes. It's a pretty good one-liner. Yes. Um He's he's not a whack quarterback, but you know he play a little whack sometimes. That's all. Every quarterback plays a little whack at some point, but it's fun to point it out about Dak. Um, all right. Well, I didn't mean to. Uh... Yeah, Dak has never. Mind. I'm not saying Dak is better than Eli. I'm just saying like leading. If you leading the league in turnovers doesn't make you bad. You could be the best. I mean, who has who has who leads the the NFL in turnovers in history in interceptions throughout history? If I could bring up the list, most of them are legends. Brett Favre is number one. Yeah, Brett Favre is number one <laughs> like, by far. And the thing is, like Josh Allen had a lot of turnovers this year too. You know, because he's a gunslinger. Yeah. But a lot of people are arguing that Dable leaving had a negative negative effect on him, which is left probably to, did left to be seen. Um, probably did. So the Super Bowl will feature both the one seeds for the first time since the 17-18 season, back when the Eagles defeated the New England Patriots. The Eagles open up as one-and-a-half-point favorites. game will be played at State State Farm Stadium in Glendale, Arizona. And two storylines that are really interesting about this game will have a matchup of the Kelsey brothers, Travis Kelsey for the Chiefs, Jason Kelsey for the Eagles, and then Andy Reid against the former team he coached for several years in the Philadelphia Eagles. How crazy is that? Yeah, I mean, it's been so in the past five years. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I never last thought of that. year. <laughs> remember, Bengals Rams were both four seeds last year. Yeah. Remember who the one seed was in the AFC? It was Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, they obviously had, they weren't the best team in the AFC. No, they had the tiebreaker over the Chiefs, and then the Bills were the three. And then the NFC, I believe it was Green Bay, Tampa, and then Dallas. So and then you had um, the Rams, who were 12-5. and five. These were two 12-5 teams. They were both good football teams. Um, there's no denying that. Um, actually, the Bengals might have been – uh, a win or two below that because I think the Bills were eleven and six, but still, um, it'll be interesting. Uh, Chiefs are two and two all time in the Super Bowl. Eagles are one and two. I don't know how you feel about Rihanna performing at halftime. I'm, I'm not the biggest halftime show fan. 
at that at that point, I'm more just take, taking a break and looking over the Super Bowl boxes and thinking about the second the half of the game. I don't care that much is because nobody sounds as good live as they do recorded. So right. it's just like you're seeing a worse version of whatever it is that you're used to listening to, which is mm-hmm. why I don't care that much about who performs at halftime. But I mean, it's a pretty. I mean, I think it's a pretty solid choice. It's not like it's no name. No, it's definitely a solid choice. And it's cool to sit there and watch, but I feel like a lot of people watch it for just the halftime show and the commercials. Yeah, so. which is why I hate, which is why I low key hate the Super Bowl. Why? Because the commercials? No, not because of the commercials, but because it's like a bunch of people are coming in who don't watch the games all year. The season feels That's over. True. Even when the Super Bowl starts, it's the only game left, and it's just a reminder that the season's basically over. I that mean, it, it's more of a cultural event, I feel like, than a football event. Garth says, whoa, 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 not so fast, my friends. Some people are fantastic live and great entertainers. Yes, but nobody is better live than they are recorded. Zero people. You are. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, let's, let's 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 be real. That's why I brought you on tonight, Nick. You're a funny guy, and plus, zero, we disagree. Like we disagree on a lot of things, so it's, it's, that, it's that's what like, makes it work. It's not like going to see a comedian. Like, if you were to go see a comedian, like that might be better than watching a special. But you're a comedian. Seeing them live, but it's different with singing. Singing is just different because nobody is as has a True. good enough voice. Even if you have an amazing voice, nobody is good enough to the point where they're better. They sound better alive. Like zero people. Phil Collins is pretty good live. I will I will just say that. Um, even on like one leg. But um, <laughs> there, 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 there is some truth to that for a lot of people. But uh, yeah, any um, – any, uh, I, I know we're going to have our Super Bowl preview show the morning of. Um, but any – thoughts on this game before we head into our next segment i think right now i mean if we're being realistic these were the two best teams in football all season a lot of people threw the bills up there and didn't want to admit how good kansas city really was um but again i just felt like the chiefs had a much harder road to get here because of how loaded the afc is they had to go through you know jacksonville who was not a great team, but they were a surging team who had that awesome comeback against the Chargers. And then they had to get through the Cincinnati Bengals, who took pretty good care of the Buffalo Bills um, and who they lost to last year as where, once again, the Eagles had my Giants and then they had the San Francisco Hospital 49ers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's obviously true that the Chiefs had uh, a tougher road um, and I mean, the Eagles, like I said, they're still favored. Uh, Overall, I would say the simple way to put it is the Chiefs have a better head coach and a better quarterback, but the Eagles have a better roster. So take with that what you will. But those those things are pretty obvious. So basically, overall, the Eagles are a better team, but the Chiefs have a better head coach and a better quarterback, which which in a close game gives them a clear edge. I do agree, and that's why I think a lot of people might lean towards the Chiefs because they do have a history of being in the Super Bowl the last few years. This is their third Super Bowl in four years, Um, you know, and Mahomes has been playing in these games for a little bit now. Um, So for now, we're going to move on, though, to the next topic, sticking with NFL here. 
Nick, yesterday was a hectic day too. Um, maybe even a little more hectic than today, despite uh, Tom Brady retiring. Sean Payton acquired by the Denver Broncos. And then D'Amico Ryan's hired to a six-year contract by his former team in the Houston Texans. Um, I thought this was interesting. Uh, the Denver Broncos, so far I'm three for three in predicting the head coaching hires, which is pretty cool. I only have two more to go. Um, but are what do you think of each of, the, each of these hires? We'll start with Denver here. Um, you know, Sean Payton obviously replacing Nathaniel Hackett, fired midseason. We know it's going to cause a Den- Denver a little bit. Um, they're sending a first and a third, I believe, back to the Saints. So, yeah, I, I think it seemed like, like this was their backup plan. It seemed like D'Amico Ryans was their number one option, and then they moved on to Payton after he informed them uh, of not taking the job. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I Obviously, I think it's a very good hire. Um, I, I would say, I mean – I would say it's it, – it, it, I mean, let's put it this way. He doesn't have big shoes to fill considering Nathaniel Hackett had like single-handedly ruined his reputation as a head coach in under – in less than a season. So even if they're like – even if they go like eight and nine, that's still a step up. Uh, the only thing that I would say that is going to be tough for them is that um, – I don't know – the thing is, I think you can still be a quarterback. I think I still think that you can have success even if your quarterback is a little bit washed up. Like I don't, I'm not exactly convinced that Russell Wilson is just so washed up that they can't, that they're just not good enough to ever make the playoffs again. Like I, I don't think that at all. I think he just had a bad year. Um, I like, I like that move partly because he's more of an offense. He's an offensive-minded head coach, which obviously would be better. Uh, in this in their situation, the only downside, the real downside for the Broncos, which has nothing to do with hiring Sean Payton, but they're in a tough division and they're in the tougher of the two conferences. So that's obviously going to be a big problem for them. But overall, this is the best move they probably could have made other than hiring D'Amico Ryans, obviously. But the, I mean, the, there were rumors about Sean Payton all year going. There are rumors I'm going to the Chargers. Like there are rumors about Sean Payton going everywhere. Personally, I think this is the right fit. I didn't think D'Amico Ryans was necessary for the Broncos only because they already have a very good defensive coordinator in um, Ejero, I think his name is. I'm probably mispronouncing that, but um, the Broncos' defense was not the problem this last year. A lot of their games were ugly to watch because they were low-scoring games. Um, Yeah. You know, but let's, let's be real here for a second, Nick. They lost Tim Patrick in the preseason. They lost Javante Williams early on in, in the season. They they lost their star left tackle in Garrett Bowles. They did have a lot working against them. So hopefully Sean Payton can patch things up and make them competitive because Garth just mentioned it. As a Chargers fan, he knows the AFC West is loaded. You have Justin Herbert. You have Patrick Mahomes. Um, I do think Sean Payton is already the second best head coach in that division. So – Again, this is a Broncos team that hasn't made the postseason since Peyton Manning was their quarterback. That's how long it's been. It doesn't feel like it, but it's actually been a really long time. Like them and the Jets are like two teams in the AFC who have not made the postseason in forever, which the Broncos historically are a great franchise. They've won multiple Super Bowls, but 
for some reason, they can't get over the hump over these past several years. And hopefully Sean Payton is the right man to fix their problems. So, yeah. And you also have to remember, given how good their defense is and the fact that a lot of the games they lost were so low scoring, like they don't need to Mm -hmm. be like this offensive powerhouse or be like what the Seahawks were under Russell Wilson. They just need to be a little better. And the season is vastly different. So Mm -hmm. it's not even like Russell Wilson can't be washed up a, a little bit, at least like, it, it, they don't really need to be amazing on offense for to make to actually win games. I think they need to draft very well in this in this draft. Now I know they traded a few draft picks away, but they can't spend any more this offseason. They just need to draft well, um, which leads to the next coaching hire uh, and the drafts. D'Amico Ryan's hired by the Houston Texans, his former team. He started his NFL career there, played his first six seasons in Houston. He was previously the 49ers defensive coordinator, and I think this was probably the, Nick, I would say the hottest young coordinator on the market, maybe outside of Shane Steichen. I think those two were probably 1 and 1A, respectively. You could order them how you would like. Um, And maybe Ben Johnson, too, from the Lions. I mean, I think there's multiple guys you could throw in there, but out of defensive coordinators, clearly the best one. Um. I mean, I'm happy for him that he got this job because with Houston, you know, they fired a – yeah, he did, and they they fired a head coach the last two seasons. So I think giving him a six-year contract was kind of a a big deal. Like Nick Casario saying, look, we're committed to you. Yeah, and and, um, I was a little bit – I was a a little bit skeptical of them firing Lovey Smith, but – they probably knew that there was a good chance they were going to get D'Amico Ryan's. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it made sense. I guess now it makes sense that they that they fired Lovey Smith, not even though he wasn't really that bad of a coach. Uh, but getting, I mean, like I, similar with Sean Payton, the Texans were so bad this year that even if they're even if they're under five hundred, that that could still be a step up. Um, I mean, I will say, I have a feeling, and I know this sounds like a little bit of a hot take. I have a feeling. People are going to be disappointed in how he performs as a coach, not because I think he's going to be a bad head coach, but because I think that sometimes we overestimate how good a coordinator is going to be as a head coach just because they were a good coordinator. So he might not be as good of a head coach as he was a coordinator, but also the fact that the Texans right now are just not a good team. So it, it, you can only do so much. You can't land a plane with no wings. So even if they're still not a great team, people might – put the blame on D'Amico Ryans and think that he was supposed to be better. So I think his expectations might be a little bit too high. Or the expectations have, of him might be a little too high. I think you have to give Ryans at least four years to, to get things right in Houston because Bill O'Brien drove that organization yeah. into the ground. Um, you know, trading DeAndre Hopkins, the, the Sean Watson Sega. Um, they had a lot of issues there. They really did. Um, guys didn't want to play there and they have some pieces they could build off of. They have Malik Collins on their defensive line. I like their linebackers with Christian Harris and then Kirksey. Uh, you know, Derek Stingley is a good young corner. They drafted Jalen Petrie out of Baylor in this past year's draft. There are some good pieces on the defensive end for them to work around. Um, and, and you have Laramie Tunsil as your franchise left tackle. So it's not like they don't have nothing. They have a solid run. They also came the close to beating some really good teams a few times. They beat the Titans this past year. Well, granted, that's a divisional opponent, but still, the Titans were a borderline playoff team. Now the South was trash, yeah. but still, I, I'd view that as a good win for them, considering 
their record and the way they played a lot. Um, yeah, I, I think Ryan's right now has his hands full. Again, build through the draft. They have the second overall pick and the 12th overall pick, right? Looking at their roster, Nick, and I, I know this might be jumping too far ahead. Who do you, who do you think they could use those picks on? Obviously quarterback, but um, I, I do think, you know, receiver, edge, they have a lot of holes on that team. Yeah, I mean, probably offensive players because – but uh, I don't know. I guess they might want to take a defensive player too, but they obviously might want a quarterback. But I don't know yet actually. I, I mean, I don't know for sure yet. Um, I mean, I'm not a Texans fan, so I have no vested interest in what they do. But I would say – so I'm just – I would say at least one of them an offensive player at least. I mean, we're just a couple of guys talking about the Houston Texans on a sports show. So I, I don't think D'Amico Ryans is too concerned about what we think. But <laughs> I will say that they need help up front on that offensive line. Their interior offensive line is trash. Look at how the Eagles built their team. They don't make sexy draft picks. They make good draft picks you know cam jurgens nobody knows who that was but in a couple of years they will when he takes over for jason kelsey when jordan davis comes in and takes over for for fletcher cox those are the type of draft picks that the texans need to make and they need to start rebuilding that way and then they can get back towards success um i think jacksonville will be a problem because i think jacksonville is the future of that division at least for right now because they have the best quarterback um, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, um, I, I guess we'll find out next year or this year in the draft. <laughs> yes, just a few months away. A um, couple more questions, Nick, regarding head coaches. The Arizona Cardinals, they've conducted interviews with Mike Kafka. Um, they were in on They interviewed Sean Payton, Frank Reich, who's now with the Panthers. Um, who do you think they hire? Obviously, I gave my prediction last show that they would hire Shane Steichen, but obviously Monty Austin Fort, the the new GM coming over from the Tennessee Titans. Who do you think is the hire there? Because obviously you have Kyler Murray, who's a problem. The DeAndre Hopkins situation is a problem. They have a lot of issues out in Arizona. Yeah, it it seems like nobody. It, it seems given the fact that D'Amico Ryan's and uh, and uh, um. Sean Payton are both unavailable. I mean, this is obviously the worst case scenario for them right now. I, I really just, I really don't know uh, to, to be completely honest. Uh, I don't, I don't know what they're going to do. Um, it was obviously, I mean, you have to keep in mind, they're not incapable of being a good team. I think the whole thing was just a bit of a shit show this year. Don't forget mm-hmm. they were, they spent the longest time undefeated last year yep. uh, in, until the Packers beat them. So it's not even like this team can't be good. It's just that they became bad in the they they were bad in the playoffs, and they were bad this year that everybody's forgetting. So it's not even like he could he can't be any good. So they I don't know maybe if they get the right guy, but now since the main two are gone, I don't really know what they want to do. Like I can't really tell. I think Steichen's their guy. The problem is you know Rule was fired early last season, replaced. Hackett was fired before week 18, week 17 actually replaced, right? They fired their head coaches sooner than the Cardinals did. Um, 
you know, so they just recently let let uh, Cliff Kingsbury go. So the process won't be easy. I think within the next week or so, they'll have their answer because now the Eagles coordinators can conduct interviews. Um, you know, neither of the Chiefs coordinators will be hired in this cycle. I think the looking for an OC job elsewhere where he can call plays. And I think Spags, we've seen what Spags is as a head coach. It's nothing great. Um, and he's around 60 years old at this point. So I don't know how attractive of a head coaching candidate he would be. Um, so, yeah, right now, I th- think Steichen and Gannon are two viable options. Mike Kafka, obviously. Um, it's 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 rough because I don't think Dan Quinn is head coach material anymore. But, you know, he was a guy who was considered a front runner for the Broncos. He took his name off the market. I think it's going to be Steichen. I mean, I think that's the hottest offensive mind left that's available. Um, I'd put him a step above Mike Kafka. Um, I would say Ben Johnson, but he's obviously going back to Detroit for another season. Um, right, right. And now I want to ask you your thoughts on the Colts. Is it Jeff Saturday or is it somebody else? I think a lot of people are going to be very unhappy with who the Colts ultimately hire. I think they might stick with Jeff Saturday. Mm-hmm. Although that seems to be even- the consensus. It seems like that's going to happen, um, even though a lot people are like, how can they hire Jeff Saturday? It's like, I don't know. Maybe because he's a legend in the Colts. Maybe because he's a Colts legend. I mean, that's pretty much the reason why uh, he played football. It's not like I don't think that he can't coach football. I don't think it's yeah. that complicated. Um, I would say considering they don't – I would say they're probably going to stick with him uh, because I find it, I would find it a little hard to believe that – they would hire him in the middle of the season unexpectedly like that and then just dump him at the end of the year like this. Um, mm-hmm. Although just in sports in general, a lot of times they don't keep around. They don't keep interim head coaches around when uh, even when they're likely good enough. So right. that wouldn't shock me, but I said they're probably going to stay with Saturday. I think so too, because he is an offensive mind, um, but he doesn't have any coaching experience at the, at the NFL level. I think this was played. Uh, this was planned, not played. Uh, if Reich were to get fired. So I think Jeff Saturday will maintain the position. So that'll wrap up our football talk for the night. Uh, Nick, we're going to move on to um, your New York Knicks. We're going to switch gears to basketball here, kind of give like a little midseason update on both New York basketball teams. Now with football season ending, we're going to talk a little bit more about basketball um, the Knicks are what they're the seventh seed right now in the East, right? If the season ended yeah. today, they're like seven, eight in that territory. Um, they're seven. This is this is the first time in a long time that I could say that I'm pleased with uh, their their play. They have two stars on their team, which is what they were missing for a while, right? Um, I, I think all of a sudden. You went from R.J. Barrett being the one a couple years ago to now R.J. Barrett being the three, sometimes even four. I think Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle have done a fine job. Uh, Brunson had 37 points the other night, and Randle had 23 and 12, respectively. Do you think both of those guys should be reserves for the All-Star team this season? I think both of them have earned it. No. Um, Julius Randle, definitely, but not Brunson. Interesting. Okay. Definitely not Brunson. I, I mean, Why just not? 
just the fact that there's four other guys that are clearly much better. I mean, just Brown, you, you, there's seven reserves. So you have Jalen Brown, James Harden. Uh, these are just the guards. Brown, Harden, Young, and DeRozan all had better or are all having better years than Brunson is. I mean, Randall definitely is going to earn it. But, I mean, they're not going to put – I mean, just those guards alone. And then you have Embiid and Siakam uh, as the as the other two guys. So and, and Randall's going to be true. in, but Brunson's not good enough this year. You know, to the he, other guy. it's weird because I feel like he's been kind of carrying the Knicks right now, you know, to a degree. Well, he's the point guard. Yeah. Well, and he's been he's been good. I'm not saying he's bad. He's been a good I'm acquisition. Just he's not an all star. I just think he's finally solved your point guard problem. You know? Yeah. That's kind of my take with it. No, no. Undoubtedly true. I mean, like yeah. just the Knicks have had a point guard problem probably for most of my lifetime. But I, I, so all of that is true. I'm just saying I don't think he's an all star. I mean, just because he solves the next point, maybe like bubble, like on the bubble, like maybe. Yeah, he's on the bubble. I would say one of the last few hours. But there's other guards that are just better. Yeah, well, the East is definitely loaded in that department. But Knicks, they're coming off a tough loss to the Lakers in overtime the other night. Um, LeBron James had his first triple double of the season. Anthony Davis is back, twenty-seven points and nine rebounds. Uh, newly acquired Roy Hachimura, 19-9. Russell Westbrook coming off the bench. It seems like Russ has kind of revitalized his career a little bit coming off the bench. I think that's definitely helped him out a lot. But you know, A little. He, I mean, he's still, he's like, still very overpaid. Yeah. He, might be the no, most, he might be the most overpaid person in America. Like, I'm not even kidding. <laughs> like, oh there God. might not be a single person more overpaid than Russell Westbrook. Yeah. It was a shame the Knicks lost, though, because they had a good game. I thought Hartenstein was good, 16 points, 13 boards. That dude had seven offensive rebounds. Seven. Yeah. For Hartenstein. That's I actually good. bet on I bet on the Lakers uh, plus one and a half. How do you bet against your own team? Everybody bets against their own team. You never bet against your own team? I've never bet against the Giants. I've never bet against the Mets, no. Well, I, I don't really bet. On That's an unnecessary wager. That's an unnecessary wager. Yeah, it is. But I never – first of all, I bet against my own team all the time because the key to betting is think with your brain and not your heart. So it, a or lot of times just because I want my team to win doesn't mean I expect them to. Um, or just don't bet. And also if my team's going to lose, I'd rather at least profit off of it. Like I'm mad my team lost. And also this is just a regular season game anyway. It doesn't matter that much. So yeah. I don't really – I don't know. I, I I think betting against your own team is very common. Usually, I avoid games that include my own team, just so. Oh, if that's a good team, idea. If if your team loses and then you lose money too, it's like yeah. I mean, I would never bet against my own team in like the finals. Maybe like I've never, but I don't know. I'm not used to my team being in the finals, but <laughs> um, but I yeah, I, I bet against my own team all the time. Hank and Dick, saying hello. Sorry I'm late to the party, guys, but how's it going, gents? It's going fine. Uh, a little sad. Brady retired. I know Nick is not. Um, I think no. – uh, Although part of me is sad because I thought he might go to the Jets. So I don't know. Are, are you holding it out for Rodgers now? It also was unlikely to affect me very much at this point, but – it was funny last year in the offseason. Remember, you were doing a video on Tyree Kill live, possibly going to the Jets, and then during the live, he goes to the Dolphins. I nearly lost my shit watching that. That was kind of funny. Yeah, that was funny. 
You're like, yeah, I think Hill's going to the Jets. And then wait a minute, up oh, he chose Miami. Yeah, and I don't, and I don't think there was anything the Jets could have done about it. No. Hank also says, let's just say you damn well, you know damn well I'll never bet on the Rangers. LFGR. I'm pretty sure he did once. Um, not to make it awkward, but yeah, no, I, I, I do, I, I do agree. Um, I wouldn't bet on the Rangers too often, maybe on, in, on individual things. I think if you're going to bet on your own team, you could do like individual stuff, maybe like not money line or whatnot. Um, also nobody in their right hand in their right mind should bet on the Knicks. So Nick, I, I guess, should I ask you, are you in your right mind? Oh, I was because I didn't bet on the Knicks. I mean, I bet on the Knicks too sometimes. It just depends on the situation. Um, I, I don't bet, but I, I prefer to be unbiased when I bet games. Of but, course, yes. But I can also objectively look at something and say, yeah, the Knicks are going to lose. Like, I, I can still do that. Um, let's move on to the other team in New York. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets. They've overtaken my Bucks for the two seed in the East right now by like a game or so. Uh, not that I'm too worried, but they beat the Lakers on Monday night. Le- but LeBron didn't play, but neither did Durant. Uh, Kyrie Irving, 26 points. Patty Mills at 21. Cam Thomas with 21. Um, we know Ben Simmons. Uh, there's been a lot of talk and drama around this guy. It seems to follow him wherever he goes. What is your opinion on Ben Simmons as a Brooklyn Net in year number one? Year number one. I mean, technically year number two. Uh, technically, <laughs> um, I mean, I'm actually – my only thought is I'm actually surprised he ended up playing. Like I, mm. I actually – look last year – around last year, uh, right uh, around the playoffs, I actually thought that like there was no way he was going to ever play as a Brooklyn Net. So just like, that no alone. Way. Yeah, yeah the, most people would have said that. So just the fact that he's even playing is something. I mean the truth is it's hard to deny that he's an asset to the team. Like he does make the team better. It's not like he's bad. Yeah. So I mean, overall, he does make them better. But I'm I, I root against the Nets in general. So I'm looking at scores right now. And speaking of the Nets, they are losing to the Celtics in Boston, fifty-two to twenty-one. Fifty-four to twenty-four. Oh, you're ahead of me. I'm ahead of you. You're in the past. <laughs> and you're fifty-four to twenty-six now. But still, I mean they're getting blown out like bad. Like they're not just getting blown out. They're getting annihilated. They're getting ran off the court. Uh, and then the Knicks, I don't think they played tonight. So all-star well, race mean, coming yeah, up. No? Durant's not playing. I know, but still you can't get, you can't lose by 35 points to the Celtics. So, yeah, but we'll forget about it. Yeah. I know. <laughs> We're just going to forget about it. Joe Mazzola has done a great job. Uh, as the interim head coach for Amy Udoka, but uh, they're the one seed in the East right now. I know Brooklyn's the two. Milwaukee is the three. Um, Also, Nick, there's one other thing I wanted to mention to you, not related to the Nets, but related to the Knicks. Did you hear about the Grayson Allen trade rumors to the Knicks? No. It was an actual report. I don't think it's going to happen. How would you feel about Grayson Allen being a Nick? I, w- I would have – I mean, I don't really feel any type of way about Grayson Allen, but it would be – I think it would be interesting. I think there would be a lot of drama if that would happen, uh, I-, I would feel yeah. like. There would at least be a few fights and there would – I mean, it's not like he would be a starter, but 
I don't know. That would be a little. He's a starter for us. I feel, yeah, I don't know. He's our two guard. Him and Drew Holiday. That's our that's our backcourt. We're one of the best teams in the NBA. I mean, hell. I mean, <laughs> if I mean, I wouldn't be against getting him uh, as long as he doesn't trip other players. I'd be okay with it. You know what it is? I think Giannis has calmed him down a little bit because Giannis likes him a lot. Like I, I think Giannis played a role yeah. in the Bucks getting him. Like Giannis likes he. He's kept Grayson Allen there. He's kept Pat Connaughton there for a long time too. Of course, he's kept his brother, Thanasis. But um, you know, I mean, it's crazy. You know, Chris Middleton's still coming off the bench for us because he's mid. Yeah, I mean, it also could just be this uh, is mid. It, it could also just be maturity. I mean, you you do. He's probably yeah. more mature than he was at Duke, and it's probably yeah. a little less crazy. Just that alone he, does a lot. He couldn't – He yeah, see, the thing is, Nick, he couldn't handle being the face of Duke basketball his junior year. Once he became a senior, that changed. But, yeah, he, he, he couldn't handle that specific role, which is unfortunate because I, I, I don't think – I think he's a good N, N, NBA player. I know a lot of people don't like him for certain reasons, but I do think at the end of the day he is a good NBA player. But – yeah. Uh, no, he I is. Ho- I ho- hope he stays with the box. But we have another comment here from Hank. Does TB12 need to retire? Yes. Um, yeah, sure. I guess. Um, he didn't need to retire. It just made sense to retire. He could have played another year. Is it still sad to see an era end? Both can be true. The second one in all caps, well, both can be true. First of all, you're obviously a lot more sad to see an era end than I am because you're on the winning side of it in to an extent. <laughs> Like Jet fans view it as like a reign of terror more than an error. Well, my thing is this: now the new era is the AFC's dominated with quarterbacks once again, but yeah. except they're all in their twenties now rather than their thirties yeah. and forties. No, 40s. it's true. It's odd. It's really it's funny to me how different the NFC and AFC are. Uh, forget the fact that the AFC is stronger, but also the fact that NFC teams just seem to be built different. It seems the NF, the NFC looks more like college football in, in a sense. How? How does the well, NFC look like? I think it looks like more college like college football in the sense of and how they're built compared to the. Oh, NFC. I was about to say talent wise. I'm like Nick. No, no, on. no, no. What I'm saying is, compared to the AFC, the way yeah. the NFC is built looks more like college football. It's yeah. not as much about the quarterbacks. Uh, it's a lot more is about mm-hmm. the coaching. Uh, you know, you know, you have a lot more. I mean, you look at a guy like Jalen Hurts, who's like a traditional running style quarterback, and. It, and making the Super Bowl, and then you have teams like in the AFC. It's all about the superstar quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, in a sense, it resembles college football a little bit. Obviously, much better, but yeah, it's it's tough the quarterback situation. There, there's really not that many like consistent franchise quarterbacks in the NFL. I'd say like every year. Are. Every year, like half the league is looking to upgrade at quarterback. Maybe a little bit smaller number than that, but like ten, I feel like ten to twelve teams are always looking, yeah, year, yearly to potentially upgrade at quarterback. And unfortunately, most of them can't. But that's just the way the cookie crumbles, you know. Yeah. But the thing is, I think people need to realize in the modern day NFL, not everyone is going to be Tom Brady. Not everyone is going to be Patrick Mahomes, and that's okay. 
you can still be a really good quarterback. You can be a great quarterback that can win Super Bowls and not be either of those guys. You know, and I think the Philadelphia Eagles have proven that this season. You know? Yeah. So we'll see what happens. But, Nick, I, I want to give you the opportunity to plug your show, where people can find it, and when your next episode is. Because I know I'm always excited to tune into your uh, weekly shows. So if you can plug out of line and where people can uh, reach that. Yeah, so it's a review and preview show, so you can find it on uh, you can find it on the review and preview YouTube channel and where you find the review and preview podcasts, just like this, uh, just like this show. So that's where you could find all of it. Uh, you could also follow me on Twitter at Nick Demart, uh, th- th- where I post all the shows. But um, whether I'll have a show this week, I'm still up in the air right now because of the whole guest situation. Right. Um, so we'll see. I mean, it, it's a little bit. Right now, it's kind of like the midpoint between like it, it, whether it, between like having a break or whether or not I'm actually going to uh, have the show or have one more show. So, it's, it, but what I do, whether I have a show, whether I have another show before um, the break in February, I definitely will be back for March Madness. So, uh, do some of that, uh, some March Madness stuff. So, um, I guess that's not exactly much of an answer, but that's the best I could do. <laughs> no, it's all it's all all good. Well. Uh... People make sure to find Nick D on the Review Preview Sports Network. Uh, Out of Line typically airs Friday nights at 7 p.m. You can find yeah. that on, on YouTube or Facebook. Um, you can always check out our post for it on Instagram as well. Nick, I want to thank you for your time tonight. You were awesome to talk to. Um, always love to thank butt heads, butt heads with you and talk sports. You know, shoot the shit a little bit. And uh, yeah, thank you very much for joining the show. Appreciate it. Yeah. No, thanks for having me. I had fun. Also, and we want to thank our viewers and commenters as well. Appreciate all the support. Garth, Noah, Hank, Mike, everyone who tuned in tonight. Appreciate all the support as always. No show next week for review and preview, but uh, the next show will be the Super Bowl Sunday pregame show. It will be airing late morning, either at 10 or 11 a.m., something like that, we think. The time is still to be determined, but stay tuned for more details on that. And then tomorrow night as well, Big Blue Avenue season finale, myself, Hank, and Dichter will be joined by special guest Fonz DeFalco, who has to uh, perform a punishment on our show. Uh, If you want to find out why a Ravens fan thinks Daniel Jones is better better than Lamar Jackson, tune into our show tomorrow night, and we'll have our top 10 player reveal of the New York Giants for the 2022 season. Once again, folks, this has been Review and Preview here on Facebook Live and YouTube. Have a good night, everybody. Have a good night, everybody.